Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be having a chat with England scrum half Jack Van Poorflit ahead of their massive clash with the All Blacks. Plus, we'll be discussing all the Autumn Nations series action, including a huge win for Italy and the massive matchup in Marseille. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Well, as we mentioned last week, tickets have just gone on sale for our Six Nations live shows in Edinburgh and London in February. We're at O2 Indigo in London on Friday the 3rd of Feb and Usher Hall in Edinburgh on Wednesday the 8th of Feb. And we've got some massive guests lined up, including Mike Brown and Tom Evans, potentially flying in from LA. And tickets are on sale now at Ticketek.com. How are we, lads? Well, firstly, Andy Rowe, welcome. Welcome to Edinburgh. The king is in town. Oof. The king is also in king. town as well. Well, apparently King Charles is here, but I'm the king. Okay. Welcome to Edinburgh, Andy Rowe. You're here. Thanks. How are you finding it? It's not really about me and Goody. We'll get on to that. Goody's probably an arrow to <laughs> a bloody shoe party or whatever it is again. You're in Edinburgh. I am in Edinburgh. I've been fortunate enough to be given a guided tour this morning, actually, of Edinburgh by Jim Hamilton. Um, just pointed at some buildings and said they're old, and that was about it. Right, enough about you. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't. He, Jim doesn't know too much about it. He lives there, but don't forget, he's history. He's born and bred in Cov and Swindon and <laughs> the southern part of the southern the part of the UK, right? <laughs> southern part of the Hebrides, Andrew. You missed a lot of people asking for you up here. It's a big rugby weekend, as we know, and with that comes rugby fans, and with that comes rugby pod fans. So you were missed, Goody. We'll get you up here. Okay, you get a nosebleed when you come to Scotland, don't you? As in, like, in Edinburgh, like, you don't know whether you're coming or going. You don't know whether they hate you or love you. So you very rarely I quite rarely like it up there. Up. It's just a bit too cold. It's just a bit too cold for me up there, isn't it? It is cold. It is cold. I did notice Andy Rowe was shivering a little bit. I mean, mm. he ain't the most manly of men. Like, as in, he's <laughs> bumping into lampposts. He's turning around in circles. He hasn't got a clue what's going on. But anyway, we're in Edinburgh for the big one and back to your question Andy Rowe enough about you I've had a hell of a week I say hell of a week I was commentating on the big one Italy Australia and it actually turned out to be a big one I don't know why (laughs) which was a big one in the end I don't know why why am I downplaying myself why am I downplaying the situation maybe because I was in the dark there's an upset coming we need a legend to commentate and they went for Johnny Hammond they did and the great King Jim Hamilton and yeah loved it absolutely loved it so it was an honour I mean you know what it's like sometimes Goody on the road it could be quite a lonely place quite a solace place but for me Jesus Christ it was good to get away I'll be honest it's just you know like you need that time <laughs> as in just yeah you just need a bit of time away I know we're in Dublin but as we know I smoke bombed and didn't make the most of it not that I made the most of being in London but loved that and then came back up the road for the big one with everything that's happening and maybe it's me just being a bit down on Derude being blasted out at Twickenham, the fact that Premiership Rugby is still ongoing and during the internationals, what do the Autumn Nation series mean? Are they really that important? The last few games, I'm loving it. I'm loving me ruggers. 
So, Andy Rowe, I'm upbeat today. That's good. Even though we lost, I'm upbeat. Goody, how was your week, mate? Yeah, good. Uh, I had a couple of dinners uh, last week. Well, a dinner and a lunch. Hang on, uh, Goody, you've had, more than, so... mate, you've had more than two dinners and a lunch, mate. <laughs> Jesus yeah, I know, Christ. Mate. I know. In a, in a week, I know. Yeah, I spoke at Hansworth Rugby Club dinner. Big shout out as well to Cobham Rugby Club. Did their lunch on in the city in London on Friday. That was good fun. Pretty loose, actually. And yeah, Saturday at Twickenham for the big one, England-Japan, which was, we'll get onto that game, but you're hosting there with Nick Easter, who's been through a horrific time, obviously, as a Worcester coach. So chatting to him in depth about that. And then Sunday was a nice family day. So we went trampolining. I said we went trampolining. I watched the kids go trampolining and stood on the side because the ankle was still fucked. But yeah, no, how good. I mean, I came home Sunday. I said to the kids, there's your iPads. You've had your trampoline in. We've taken the dog out. We've had a bit of fun today. Been to a park. I'm watching Scotland get absolutely dismantled by New Zealand. And six minutes in, seven minutes in, I'm thinking, this is going to be as ugly as you like. But I turned myself, as Scotland did, and I was desperate for Scotland to win in the end. And we'll come on to that later. But yeah, I'm with Jim. It's a great weekend of rugby and building nicely to the big one this weekend. You've both teased at this. Let's just get on to it. Murrayfield, what happened, Jim? Well, firstly, Andy Rowe, going back to my point on taking the pish out of Twickenham and to a degree, Murrayfield for the couple of games that we've seen in terms of no atmosphere. The atmosphere was out of this world. Yeah, it was. Give some context to that, as a not as a neutral, mm. but I mean, it, people listening to me talk about that, as, in, as a fan, you had your All Blacks top on. I mean... You were basically wearing a suit with an All Blacks top. You looked like an absolute disgrace. I didn't want to say anything, but keep going. <laughs> well, you, t- <laughs> you turn up and obviously Jim's sorted us out with the corporate tickets. So you go in there and Jim does his pre-match speech. Uh, absolute hero of Scotland, aren't you? Any good? Amazing. Any yeah. good? All, I heard all the stories before many times. Mate, he was but- still laughing. That's how much Andy Rowe <laughs> likes me, that he's pissing himself. Him and Gorgeous Chris are there and they're loving it. That's when you know you're good. Yeah. And then and then we go into, into the game and they've got the pipe, the lone piper playing for, because of course it was Remembrance Sunday. And then Dottie Weir brings out the match ball and you're just like, holy shit, this is intense. This is the most intense situation I've ever been in in a rugby environment. And the scene was set for just such a massive encounter, like all the way through, all the build-up, the anthems, and the Scottish anthem when they stop the bagpipes halfway through. You just feel like you're on this emotional ride all the way to kickoff. And then five minutes in, I was covering up my all-black jersey because I felt a little bit embarrassed that we were hosing you by so much. Well, it was actually seven minutes, but I find you can round it down if you want, make it sound like it was better. But on that, Goody, the atmosphere, mate, I wish you were here. I wish you would have been here to witness it because we have been downbeat a little bit on Twickenham blasting out the rude. But I can't really explain it. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'll admit it. I mean, I absolutely hate the tune. Bad memories. Yeah, not a great upbringing. Bad memories of the rude. But the other thing on it, Jim, and I'll, we'll, we'll come on to that other game in a bit, but... You said how great the atmosphere was in Marseille. They're just playing free from desire. Mine and senses purified free. F- that song. And they, yeah, you said the atmosphere was unbelievable. So which one? Is it just a song choice that's the issue? I don't know what it is. I think it's a, a group of everything. It's like a collection of everything that's going on in there. And even the tunes at Murrayfield weren't to my liking. And they were too loud at times. But like Andy Rowe said, the build-up. Well, we know the reasons why. Look, we can say it. Doddy Weir was there. And we can see Doddy's decline it's really difficult word for me to say I don't even know how to contextualize it and we were unsure whether he was going to bring the match ball out I wasn't sure because it kind of all came after the anthems after the hacker there was a delay and like Andy Rose said like with the pipers and stuff like that the fact that 
it was a Sunday. I don't know whether that has got anything to do with anything, but I'm trying to think to the reasons why it was so good. And that's why I wish you were here because it was. Un- it made me so proud to be involved with rugby. So that's that bit. And then the emotion around Doddy bringing out the match ball. And if you think five years ago, that same fixture, Doddy walked out the match ball with his boys. Uh, it was an evening kickoff. And I'm getting goosebumps talking about it now. Hairs on the back of my neck are standing up. I remember it like it was yesterday. You remember the energy in the building then. It was like the same, if not better, this week. It was sad. It was emotional. It was surreal. And yeah, and I just don't know, like if we look forward into the game, whether all that and everything that kind of went into it, the build-up in the week, whether the Scotland lads struggled to deal with that because it was just so intense. The energy and the atmosphere was so intense. Like the hacker was nothing. No disrespect to the hacker, Mm. it's everything. But in terms of the context of what we're talking about, it felt like it was nothing. And you've had to have been there. It's one of them where like you need to have been there. I can't explain it. I was watching it on Amazon and it did look incredibly moving. The whole piece around Doddy Weir and both teams walking over to that touchline, clapping, but also Sam Whitelock going up to him and obviously Jamie Ritchie as well, whispering in his ear, we're going to do it for you and make you proud. It's incredibly emotional from home as well. And, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to look at as well and watch when you see how Doddy has struggled recently. Um, and we know it's an incredibly sad illness that... Um, there is no cure for, but he's fighting it as hard as you can. And that was, it seemed inspirational. And like you say, you're watching the Hacker and they're giving it full beans. I think they sang Flower of Scotland, didn't they, when uh, the Hacker was on too. And the atmosphere, seemed, it seemed unbelievable, electrically unbelievable. And then obviously you start the game, you catch the kickoff. Before you know it, you're 14 points down. And how Scotland, and this is a credit to the whole team and, and their mindset, how they came back from 14 nil down with all that emotion that's gone into it to then score 23 unanswered points and put themselves in a position to win is just absolutely phenomenal, especially with what's gone on around Gregor and Finn and all the undertones that have gone on with selection. It was I watched it and I was desperate for Scotland to win. I'm happy to say out here, we take the piss, I'm English, you're Scottish, there's all that rivalry. You're getting 23 points to 14 up and I'm starting to support Scotland going, go on lads. You know, I'm watching Duan van der Merwe play like an absolute worldie. I'm watching Darcy Graham rip it up, Hoggy's playing well, Finn... Pulling the strings nicely, I'm like, lads, this is the moment. And I'm actually looking forward to doing the podcast the next day because just seeing Jim's face once you finally beat New Zealand, then you bring on a few superstars. Rico Iwani made a difference. TJ Paranara was outstanding. Cody Taylor. Cody Taylor was ridiculous as well. When he, I mean, you talk about hookers, they've got some options there. Samasoni Takiyaho starts and plays like a monster as well. And then you bring Cody Taylor on, who's not, not as monstrous, but was unbelievable. And then obviously the yellow card, which I'm, I'm going to say it on air live, Jim. I think that yellow card was harsh. It's my fault. Why is that? Because I Murphy. think I might have ripped Frank Murphy, Murphy's curtains down at his house. So I think <laughs> back in the day, because he was my neighbour, I've ripped his curtains down one night after coming in from the pish. And he's never forgiven me for that. And he's thought, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stitch his boys up. I agree. I thought it was a harsh yellow yeah. card, man. It's Harsh. one of those that you see You see some that are slapdowns, right? That are definite yellows. And you see some that are in tackles where the hand goes and reaches for it and it's kind of foiled to be I'm making a tackle. But I think it's a penalty, but I don't think it's a yellow card because I thought it was actually he's actually just trying to grasp in the tackle, not go, go for the ball at all. And we've seen him given, we've seen him not given, but I suppose it evens itself out. You, know, you, you look at that first try, the penalty try that Hoggy 
Chipson and then the bounce of the ball. It's not the fact that I don't think that bit was the penalty try. If you if you go back and watch the the replay, Frank Murphy runs Scotland's best blocking line all day and stops Papaliti from getting the inside ball to Hog. Um, so maybe he evened it up that way a little bit. But first and foremost, Frank Murphy, how good did he look? And secondly, I was devastated because although he's an Aussie, a Scottish Aussie, I don't think Dempsey deserved a yellow card for that. And that was the game changer, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the game changer. We were under loads. Of, we were under a bit of pressure in the lead up to that. But like you just said, like if you put into the mix the bench that came on for the All Blacks, the fact that I ripped the curtains down years ago, it wasn't even me. It was Sergio Parise. It wasn't even me, but I'll take the blame for it. So that was it. Like you said, 23-14 up. So 14-0 down, we get to 23-14. You know, Darcy Graham, what did the famous Al Capone say? Inches. It's about the inches. It was about the millimetres. It might have been Al Pacino, but we'll say it was Al Capone. And he scores that. And we scored just before halftime. It's all lifts and butts. I hate this because I find myself doing this all the time with Scotland when we're in big games and it could have been this, if this, if that. All right, let's do it. Blair Kinghorn kicks that penalty against Australia. Beat Australia. We would have beat Australia. We didn't. We could have, should have, would have. But then Finn doesn't come back in and start against the All Blacks. Mm. Played very well, Finn, didn't he? He did. He did. And I always take the piss on air, ifs, buts and maybes, the nearly men and, you know, plucky losers all that stuff. I was devastated for Scotland at the weekend. I'm happy to say it. That's because you're coming back up here soon. We're, we're, we're at Usher Hall. That's why you're saying that. Totally redeem yourself. Just need one cheer when we get up to Edinburgh. I know. But yeah, like, as I say, like that yellow card cost us. The pressure was on. We didn't score. We had an opportunity just before half time. We're talking millimetres again. I think we had three opportunities where we were knocking on the door and we were literally millimetres away from the try line. And the big, big issue for us was the breakdown. How do you fix that? Well, you've got Dalton Papalihi, he, 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 who was, well, he got man of the match. And you've got Ardi Surveyor as well. You've got two of the best back rows over ball in the world. And when you play the way that Scotland do, you've got to be so laser focused on the breakdown. Not that we were all over the place when then breakdowns happened because they were quite tight. And again, I've, I need to go back and watch it on TV properly because watching it in the stadium and then looking at kind of social clips and bits on YouTube, like I, I need to go back and watch it properly. But it seems to be a bit of Achilles heel for us, that breakdown. But what a game. The physicality was phenomenal from Scotland as well. And I'm, obviously I'm looking at the game thinking England were poor week one. We got better week two, but let's see the All Blacks. Because I remember, Jim, you called them shit on the podcast a few weeks ago. Then they smashed Wales. Then you said they're amazing. Then Scotland nearly beat them. You started to believe last week. Did you put it on your fans, though, that Scotland had beat New Zealand? Were you that confident? Or Yeah, by four. Oh, so close. But then the physicality and the line speed defensively. The one thing I will question, and Greg has come out and said, you know, we need to finish off the game with nine points up. Why would you take Chris Harris off when he's your best defender? I didn't know whether he was injured or not, but I saw him after the game. He didn't look injured. I don't know. You can't just put it on the lads on the field because you sometimes you make substitutions where you think it's a like for like and you know, nothing against the player that came on. But Charis is a guy that has steeled up that defence for Scotland in that, in that corner channel at 13. And then they started making yards down those outside channels, didn't they, where he was defending. And it was easy yards, which leads to momentum, which leads to winning more gain line. And that's where New Zealand really came back into their own and turned the screw in the last 20 minutes and... I'm generally devastated for Scotland, but fair play New Zealand. They can pull a rabbit out of the hat. They can find a way. You're losing by nine points to Scotland with 20 to go. Most teams probably lose that game, but um, credit to them. They emptied the bench, brought some big boys on and got the victory. Do you start Finn again this weekend? 
Yeah, I think there's been enough redemption in terms of how he played. And this is going to sound really superficial, but I do think it's important to mention he looked like he meant business. Not that he doesn't always mean business, but sometimes he can come across as a bit cocky, a bit smiley, which we love. We love all them things. But I think at the weekend, we saw a real raise of focus, leadership, the way that he was chatting to the players in the huddle, the way that he played, the way that he controlled the game. Gregor mentioned it, world-class kicking at goal. I think I think that's it now. Hopefully, that's cemented his place. And what it also does as well with Finn, and we saw a few moments at the weekend, just the way that he plays, the way that he brings Duan van der Mover into the game, who, like Goody said, was unbelievable. But Darcy Graham was phenomenal. And I don't know this for sure. I'm just guessing, but looking at the energy and looking at some of the pictures of them doing the team run, like him... Stuart Hogg and Ali Price together, you know, the three beer monsters who had three beers who were only allowed one beer. <laughs> they look happier together. It yeah. looks like it, they bring the best out in each other. So hopefully that's now sorted because now this Argentina game becomes a must win. It becomes a must win, not for both teams, but Argentina will be annoyed the way that they played at the weekend against Wales. But for Scotland, in the grand scheme of everything we've seen, it's a must win game. Tell you who's not getting any love at the moment. Wayne Barnes from South African fans. Goody, what do you make of your best mate's performance over there in Marseille? I can't call him my best mate because in terms of refereeing, Andrew Brace would be my best friend now. <laughs> um, <laughs> who is looking lovely. On the, did you not meet up with the lads afterwards, Jim? So Frank's refereeing. He's not you joking? You for pulling down your curtains. Andrew you Brace, joking? assistant referee. What do you mean are you joking? They're proper boys on the piss. Mate. They've given Jack Dempsey a yellow card for trying to make a tackle. Do you think I'm going to meet up with them lads after? Fucking no Frank chance. Not- Earn your right. Earn your right to come out for a beer with the king. Yeah, Wayne Barnes. Um, do you know what? I, I tweeted, and this is the thing. So I watched the game on Saturday uh, and I was behind. I was probably an hour and a half behind the actual live goings on of the game. So I'm watching it on Amazon Prime after I've got the kids to bed and had some food and all this stuff and I've just flicked it on. I, I tweeted like half an hour into the game about how I thought Wayne Barnes, it's brilliant to see him referee in the offside line because I'm saying, I'm watching rugby at the minute and a lot of refs aren't even looking at the offside line. You're seeing line speed, you're seeing you know, teams that look three or four yards offside. They're probably not three or four, they're probably one or two and it does change the the, the landscape in terms of attack. So I tweeted that and then I just watched the rest of the game and then I've gone back to my phone afterwards and saw the rest of the responses. They're like, what about the double movement? What about the forward pass? People going absolutely wild. So it's tough. When you send someone off that early and the emotion in that stadium, and Marseille is a very particular place for noise and pressure and the volume of noise that goes on in that stadium. He's obviously sent Peter Seftatoy off early on, right cool, although I think there was a little bit of mitigation. I don't think he's deliberately tried to plough his head into Dante's face, but it's still the right call. He was actually pushed from behind, and one of the French lads had his hand on Dante's head, so he couldn't even move it, poor bloke. That's definitely a red card. Then you go to the next red card. I mean, you cannot send the king off, but you can when he does that. That's one of the worst challenges I've seen. As accidental as it was. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Mate, he could have broke his neck. I know, it's awful. In terms of how it looks, it's absolutely shocking. But in in defence of DuPont, there's no intent there to do it. But still, that's irrelevant. You have to understand your surroundings. So he's gone two red cards. There's a lot of emotion in the stadium. You referee in South Africa, the most physical team in the world, and you're watching some of their clean-outs. You're like, my God, they're going to take people's heads off. They did with Dante, but it was ferocious. Now, ultimately, the pressure intensifies. There's a few calls... The try that they score to go ahead, is it a double movement? I think it is. 
Did they check it properly? Barnsley was just happy that he's in France. He knows he ain't getting out of Marseille alive if he doesn't give that try because Marseille is a particular place for that sort of thing. But then you look at some other calls. Yeah, You look at some of the other calls. I feel a bit sorry for, for Barnsley because I think it was Christoph Ridley, his assistant referee, has given the forward pass against Vili Lapu, who's not Vili Lapu, he's Vili LaRue. And it was never forward. But that Barnsley can only go off what his assistant referee is telling him. So there are some calls, and we've seen Razzie go out wild on social media with a few videos in a How funny. very different I don't, way. I don't to, know whether it's a good thing or I not, can't but work it, it is out. funny. I can't work it out. Yeah, it, I mean, to look at it as a neutral, it is funny. But also, there's a load of people going, this isn't rugby values, What you know, the, the poison that's being put around because of this. And I, I can't work out whether it's genius, whether it's stupid, whether it's coming across as comedy or it's obviously to make a point without getting told off by World Rugby again because he's saying one thing and then showing the video. But it is good to highlight. Do you not think, though, Goody, like, as in I'm watching that, right, and you've got to think that they've got access straight after the game. One thing, yeah. I mean, this yeah. social media game is like A+. Plus. And I say that because the videos are like HD quality. Do you know what I mean? They're so good. Like They've not been just recorded. So, so Someone's helping him. Yeah, isn't it his mate Johan van Johan or whatever that guy was that was posting <laughs> stuff in the Lions tour? Yeah. It was so funny. He unfollowed Augustin Pichot. That was the only person who was following. But do you not think that that kind of insight that we're getting, because the one that he put up about Faf de Klerk, so it was like the first minute of the game, Faf de Klerk makes a tackle on DuPont, gets pinged for being offside. Yeah. And he, when you look at the clip, he ain't offside. Like I didn't, yeah. you know, I thought he was offside because Barnes is closer to the action than me. He's one of the best referees in the world. I actually quite like the fact that that's being highlighted. And then you saw the two contrasts of passes. You mentioned Willie LaRue's one there that got done for forward. He also highlights Fiku's one that's not given, but they end up scoring off. These are key moments, not only for him to justify his job with the South African Rugby Union in terms of if they do lose a load of games and they end up trying to change the coaches, but it's great insight. Like I think it is great insight, yeah. whether or not you know Barnsley likes that. And I know we've had issues with Rassi and Nick Berry, which was probably very different to what we're seeing now. But the insight, I quite like the interaction, whether or not in Rassi's standing as a head coach of the world champions, he should be doing that. I'm bothered. I, I quite like it. Yeah. Hashtag grow the game and all that. The games are on Prime Video, and obviously I'm watching them. How many millions of people are watching them? Maybe Razzie doesn't know that, so he's like, I've got a big following here on social media. I can whack some clips out. It will go viral, and it will show things that perhaps the average rugby fan isn't seeing around errors in the game from their perspective, but also things that went against them. I, I still can't work out whether it's genius or it's not play on, but it's Razzie, so I like it. What about music selection then, Jim? Because you've got issues with... The rule at Twickers. It's the rude, the Andrew. With the... It's not. It's Sorry. not Jar Rule, you... mate. Look at us. Hey, look it's at. Not the... <laughs> <laughs> you can say that. So, what about song selection then, Jim? Because you've got issues with the rude at Twickenham uh, because it doesn't match the Bollinger sipping, barber coat wearing, pink trouser people. Uh, but down in France, when they're playing an English song, they're all loving it in France, and it's the French going na 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 na, and it, it was mental, wasn't it? The scenes were unbelievable. Andrew, you're saying that's good, but the loud music at Twickenham or Scotland because it's the wrong choice of music, in your opinion, is wrong. Just specifically the rude, and I know the reason why. And do you know the reasons why? So I had to go back, and my memory's blank with a lot of the bad memories as a kid. So when I was 17, I went into Mr G's nightclub. Right, I walked up yep. the stairs. And there was a bouncer called Barrington who had a glass eye. Uh, he died recently, actually, uh, which was sad. But he had a glass eye. And when that tune was blaring, I've just walked up looking a million dollars in my Timberjund, 
jacket and me baggy jeans from next and me pointy crocodile shoes. And he has just blasted me with his head in my face. He's knocked me straight on the floor. Let's say he knocked 15 teeth out and Darude's playing. I'm on the floor for about 10 seconds snoring, but because I'm hard as nails, I pop back up and then I got thrown out. And that song was playing at that time. So that's why I don't like Darude. All right, that's it. That's me being completely honest with you. End of. There yeah, you go. basically end of. And that's when I realised that I was quite hard, actually. What did you do to get headbutted? Nothing. Genuinely, hand on heart, I swear on my life. We've all been there. Absolutely nothing. I just didn't looking do anything. a million dollars. He just came after me. <laughs> no, I walked up the stairs and he just blasted me in the face with his head. The rude. Dugga dugga da. Da dugga dugga da. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now, Coventry Nightclub, Mr. G's. Speaking of being blasted in the head, I know you mentioned Peter Steve de going off. Um, he went off quite early. Were you guys surprised that the Springboks managed to hang in there and make a game of it from there? Yeah, firstly, shocking. I know Goody referenced it as well. I know he got pushed marginally. He lost his head, Goody. But he got hit by Gail Fiku High about 15 seconds before it as well. There you go. Um, and it's a reaction thing. I, t- I still don't believe a player of his calibre and... When you hear other people talk about him, he's not someone that will deliberately try and plough his head into someone's face in the way it looked. It looked awful. Let's not beat around the bush. It did look horrible, didn't it? But uh, you hope Dante's okay. I hear he's practised cheekbone or whatever. But you just can't do it, can you, pal? Jim, you mentioned the big game. You were commentating for it. Were the Wallabies disappointing or is this a new era for Italian rugby? They were very poor. Shockingly poor. Shockingly is a big word, but they were poor. They had 11 changes, but the second row went down before the game as well. So they had another change. So 12 changes. Italy in Florence. So going back through the archives, Goody, Florence is where they beat South Africa a few years before that famous yeah, I commented win. on that game years ago. Yeah. Look at us, Italian correspondents. Yeah. Look at us. There you go. <laughs> that was when it was on BT Sport. I did it at BT. I remember it well. There you go. Well, same studio. Might have been the same studio. So they were in Florence and they're playing against Australia and Italy. They put 49 points on Samoa, who had a really good team the week before. Uh, They were okay in the summer as well. They lost to Georgia, which was a bit of a headline. But let's not forget they beat Wales in that last game of the Six Nations because Wales were on the decline, apparently. Looking at Italian rugby from the outside and because I've become the correspondent, I've had to look deep into it. Everyone's talking about their under-20s. Benetton are better. I know the URC table doesn't show that because Zebra are bottom as well, but they're definitely better. But the international team, mate, they're very good now. Like, again, here's the black book because I had to write in it because I had to make sure that I got my commentary notes. Front row, Fischetti's 24 years old. Gianmarco Lucchese's 22. Uh, Nicoli Canoni's 24. Seb Negri, friend of the show, 28. Michele Lamaro's 24. Like, as captain, he's a young man. You've got Capuzzo, everyone's talking about, at 15, who's 23. Pierre Bruno's 26. Their oldest player is Luca Marizzi in the centre, who's 31 years old. That's a young team. And the, the players that they've got coming through as well. So under Kieran Crowley, Marius Goosen, it wasn't even a fluke. They were the better team. Montiuani as well. Uh, I mean, it was great to see him playing. They've got a, yeah, they've got a top-class bat three. They play very well in terms of they take the ball to the line. Their skill set significantly better. And the Australians clearly underestimated them. Making 11 changes, they want to give people a shot. Didn't really turn up. I know the scoreline was close, 28-27. But Italy deserved to win that. And it's like they won the cup final. Why not? Do you know what I mean? Why not? They've got South Africa this week, but they were wicked. 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You look at it, they didn't even have Garbisi, who's one of their star players at 10. Yeah, he pulled out before the game. Yeah, there is a new kind of era, as Jim said, of these young Italian players. And the Aussies, you look at it, and you've got to remember, they're at the back end of their season. So they've had loads of international rugby. Uh, they went on an A tour as well to blood some of these players. And everyone's thinking a year down the line, aren't they? A lot of teams are coming over. You know, we saw the All Blacks give debuts out against Scotland. They made quite a few changes. They rested some players. To get to a World Cup, you need a squad of 31 players that are going to be competitive. So you do have to make these changes and you learn a lot. Same with Ireland. When we come on to that game, talk about Ireland-Fiji. They made a load of changes. And then after the game, everyone's a bit underwhelmed because they beat South Africa the week before with the big noise players. And then you make a few changes, rest a few, and it's not quite there. And that's the same with Australia. So you've got to understand that probably Italy's cup final in terms of the games that they're playing. And, you know, it's another cup final for them this week against the Springboks. Whereas Australia are looking bigger picture and they've rested a few and made a load of changes. Feel for Ben Donaldson completely. Um, you know, you look at that kick and people are just expecting it to go over and get the win. But it's tough, mate. Being Having been there when you know the whole place is looking at you and there's an expectation that it goes over, he just pushes it to the right. And that would have papered over a, a fair few cracks, I reckon, for Australia. But they're trying to grow their depth and fair play to Italy. Take nothing away from them. They were the better team. Loads of handling errors and discipline errors from Australia. But a lot of that came from pressure from Italy. And um, just excited to see Italy beat Scotland now in the Six Nations again. Where do you think Caputo ranks worldwide as a 15? Hell of a player. Oh, very good player. It's difficult to say where he ranks. He's at Toulouse now. Headline moments. I actually thought before, because it's been a while now, the Six Nations, I actually thought Ange Capuzzo scored that try to beat Wales, but it was actually his break. And Eduardo Padovani was the scorer, but everyone knows Capuzzo because of that break against Wales. That's where he blasted onto yeah. the scene. And he looks like he's about 12, 13 years old. But the effect that he has on the game, every time he gets the ball, he's similar to Lewis Rees Summit. Like, they're... Look, I mean, in terms of the excitement, Goody referenced it last week when Reece Summit gets the ball that he just sets the stadium alight. The same for Capuzzo, just so quick, uh, just makes things happen. It's a big statement to put him anywhere now because I've not seen enough of him. I don't think he's proven yet internationally. But you look at the profile again, going back to that team like Capuzzo, these big wins that they're getting, Lamaro. Yeah, I think to have players like that that we're talking about, and Ioanni on the other wing. It was all about Sergio Parise before, wasn't it? And Martin Castro-Giovanni. Yeah. But now they've got players that are the real deal. And Capuzzo, well, he's got a three-year deal at Toulouse. That's how good he is. And plays. So, yeah, very good. We'll come on to the men in a minute, but it was heartbreak for England's women, wasn't it, Goody? It has sold out Eden Park World Cup final against the Black Ferns. Why are you grinning? Why are you grinning, Andy Rowe? <laughs> yeah, why are you smiling, Andy Rowe? Why are you laughing, asking that question? Hell of a game. I mean, listen to you. It was. Um, uh, you're devastated for the for the women, the Red Roses, uh, obviously unbeaten in 30 games. We had Hannah Bottoman come on earlier in the, the season as well and, and chat through and they're out in New Zealand. We knew that it was going to come down to the difference between France, New Zealand and England. England beat France. New Zealand squeaked past France in the semi-final and then small margins. And it's, again, it's the red card issue. We're 14-0 up. Uh, and Lydia Thompson gets sent off and feel for a massively biggest stage of all, World Cup final. And it is a red card. I'm not going to say it's not. It was accidental. It's still a red card in everything that we've seen. And you can't change your opinion one way or the other just because it's a World Cup final. It's really disappointing and devastating. But then I still think England had enough to, to win the game. Driving more has been a super strength of the Red Roses for, for quite some time. And I don't know, Jim, you're the line-out Norse here. That last call where they end up going... 
bunching the line out up and going right to the front where it gets stolen. Yeah, that, they'll be kicking themselves at the Red Roses, Will. So the big point of that game was when Holly Davidson gave a charge down call. England have gone to kick the ball out. The Blackferns have gone to charge it down. Holly Davidson's give it as a charge down, so it's clipped a finger. Then Poppy goes down and takes a rest, and that gives Ben Whitehouse from his truck heat in his biscuits. And people are annoyed about this, and I think it's the right call. He looks back at the footage because there's a bit of time. If there wasn't any time and the England player didn't go down, then it would have just been a line-out to England on halfway, and they'd be into the half of the Blackferns. And then that, that time period where Poppy was down, Ben Whitehouse calls in and says it's not a charge down. So the ball was actually out on the full. And for me, that was a huge moment in that game. And it was a big call. And people are pissed off with that. I quite like... That's the right call. That's what it should be. Even though Holly Davison, who I thought refereed really well, gave that call, it was the right call. And yeah, there's that. And Goody mentioned the line out as well. Three opportunities, last play of the game, throw into the front. How confident were they with the hooker? They've got the best drive in the tournament. And goodness me, but fair play to the Black Ferns. Did it again. What do you mean Ben Whitehouse is Welsh and he doesn't like the English, so that's why he gave the decision? Why are you being horrible, Jim? No, I'm joking. It's, I'm with you on it. Um, and people are like, yeah, but the protocol of where TMOs can come in and they can't come in, it's around foul play, try scoring opportunities, all this stuff. Um, if technology's there and you've got time to use it and say, actually, the ref's got the call wrong, put your hand up and, and make the right call. And, and, and that's the thing around it. The, the right decision was made in the end. Uh, even though people are raging that Ben Whitehouse has come in and, and gone perhaps outside of his remit. But yeah, it's um, congratulations, New Zealand. Hell of a final to sell it out. The, the atmosphere, the passion in that stadium looked ridiculous. And unfortunately for England, uh, another four-year wait now. Actually, three-year wait because it was delayed a year, wasn't it, because of COVID. We'll win it again in three years. It'll be fine. Well, I think of it, actually. I think it was Emily Scarrett who ripped Ben Whitehouse's curtains down. That's what I've heard. I've <laughs> <laughs> It was a much better performance for the men at Twickenham this week, though, wasn't it, Goody? Yeah, it was. Um, and it's not me coming on here now saying, oh, we're back. We're, you know, we're one of the best teams out there. We, we are. We're not. Eddie, your hero. No, you're not. The big difference is for me, defensively, and I talked about Scotland earlier, how physical they were coming hard and straight off the line against New Zealand. Let's be honest. Japan will shock him. I wanna, I'm going to say it. I'll be yeah, honest with it. I, it. They were poor. Errors. Unforced errors. You know, I'm expecting Japan to come there and I'm hosting before the match a Q&A with Nick Easter and I'm like, you know, the sun's out, Japan likes to chuck the ball around, they're a decent outfit in that sense, it might put England under pressure, but England's defensive intent, their physicality, getting off the, the line, double efforts uh, across the board, the width in defence that we had, you know, I spoke last week about how tight we were for Argentina's try off the line out, they learnt a lot in the week and the biggest gains were in defence and that's... Coming up against the All Blacks this week, that's what you've got to be tip-top at, at, on your game. There were some decent work-ons in attack. People talk about the smith Farallaxis growing, and it did grow. A lot of that is off the front football that we were getting in, in defence, how much we were winning that game line. So, you know, you were getting turnovers and being on the front foot. But positive signs without jumping from the rooftop saying we're, we're great again. Huge, huge effort in defence. Our set-piece was always going to be good. You know, obviously... Genge and Sinclair dominated at scrum time and you've got to play to your strengths. If that is a huge strength of ours, get the penalties, take the territory, but you still want to see a bit more cohesion and attack, even though we scored, I think it was seven tries in the end, there were some good parts of it, but acid test over the next two weeks now, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing with this game, Good, like you said, Japan, I thought they were going to offer so much more Yeah, and 
They didn't. Freddie Stewart, star man, everyone's talking about him. It was good to see him get a bit of space, wasn't it, really? Because everyone talks yeah. about him kicking the ball and retrieving his aerial skills, which for me is one of the best players, if not the best player in the world. But everyone's talking about him. Eddie Jones doesn't like his moustache. He was burying it, but I think he's grown it for Movember, <laughs> making him feel bad. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like the energy that Jack Van Portfleet bought as well in attack, there was a marked difference in terms of our energy. And it's amazing, isn't it? You game one of the Autumn Internationals, you look lethargic, you look tired, you look as if you trained too hard. And then week two, when you get a bit of a rocket because you've lost to Argentina, you perform in the way you did. Let's hope they can back it up now against New Zealand because, as I said, bigger tests to come. We've got the wood over New Zealand and Eddie Jones has thrown down the gauntlet already, hasn't he, around we're going to go after them. Let's see how it comes out because I was a bit down and there's a bit of doom and gloom around England rugby last week because we lost to Argentina. We've just put 50 points on Japan, who nearly beat the All Blacks a few weeks ago, beat Scotland in the World Cup, they beat Ireland in the World Cup. We're basically, we're the best team in the world again, lads. Come on. One of the arguments could be, I don't know, and I feel bad saying this because I know we're, we're all for growing the game and giving other teams opportunities. I'm not saying that Japan are a tier two team, they, although they did play like that at the weekend. And it's great to see Fiji getting the opportunities. But with how congested the calendar is, wouldn't it just be great to see, I don't know, I don't want to say bigger games. But how do you say it with all due respect? Like, yeah, bigger games. England All Blacks, England South Africa, England Australia. We've got the Six Nations and see these games in the in the summer against the Japan and against the Fiji. But that's all. that sounds bad on them. I've got two hats on here, one backwards, one facing forward. Yeah, I, it just felt like a bit of a pointless game. And I feel shit saying that. Why are you being horrible, Jim? I know, I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I'm sorry. How similar do you think the approach will be for the All Blacks this weekend, Goody? Well, I think they'll go back to their gun 15. I think Brody Retallick comes back in after his ban for the red card he got against Japan. Aaron Smith comes back to nine. Moonga will come back at 10 and... Probably Bowden Barrett will shift to fullback. They'll look for a performance like they had against Wales. Wayne Pivak said it, didn't he? He said they got outmuscled and bullied at times by the All Blacks. And then, actually, I'm expecting them to do that to Scotland, as probably Jim was on his social media, where he's like, the sun's out. You know, it looked good for the All Blacks. But, my God, Scotland barred up in defence and, and physically, especially at set-piece as well. So, do I think they'll change much? There'll be personnel changes. Cody Taylor probably played himself into starting, although Takiaho is something special. Whoever they pick there is a decent player. Ardi Savare is going to be hard as you like again, uh, as is Papaliti. Who they go at six? Do they go back to Frizzell? Do they go to Barrett at six, which is what they did in the World Cup, where we absolutely smashed them in that semi-final. So I think England will live I off... Be, I don't think they'll be doing that then. No. <laughs> I think England will live off You know, the last few times we've played them, obviously the World Cup semi-final. That's going to be a mental block, I think, for New Zealand. When they came to Twickenham in 2018, I think it was, you know, we should have beaten them then as well if it wasn't for a slight offside or something like that. But the big question marks are over New Zealand. I think everyone would expect England to front up, but you play New Zealand who you haven't played for a long time. Everyone thinks New Zealand's the best team in the world. This is England's opportunity to put 50 on New Zealand. You heard it here first, lads. 50's coming for you. Will there be much change for England? The big question around Eddie Jones now is when you look at the selection... And we're going to chat to him in a minute. He's not going to tell us who's starting at nine, but the energy that Jack Van Portfleet has brought into this England team, you saw Freddie Stewart, Jim said it then, how good was he? These youngsters that he's backed, some of them, but not all of them, you've got to give them their time now. So pick Jack Van Portfleet against the All Blacks. Don't revert back to type and go, you know, for some of your old war horses. You know, there's this issue around who's going to play six. 
He likes a big tall six. I'd be saying against the All Blacks, let's play Sam Simmons at six or a Jack Willis at six and let's play Billy Vanapola at eight. You know, let's have some speed. You've got, to, you've got to beat them with ball in hand. Defensively, yes, you've got to fly off the line and put them under pressure. I know. Ben Earl, Jim, you're dead right. I mean, he ripped it up for Saracens at the weekend. He's ripped it up all season, but Eddie Jones won't pick him. Cheers, Eddie. You need someone explosive like that in your back row alongside you know the number eight, whoever he's going with. I thought Simmons added pace at eight at the weekend. They're not monster carries, but they're they're dense that are bringing fast ball, the, the rock speed after he carries because he's taking yard after yard. You know, you're not seeing the big flare breaks that some number eights make, but it gets you over the game line. So we've got to play with momentum. You want to shift your attack. You need more presence with ball carriers and you need more explosive ball carriers. So I'd be tempted to look at Billy and Simmons in the back row, but knowing Eddie Jones, he'll go Marrow at six again because he likes that big, tall, rangy six. But then again, I said earlier, you've got to pay to your strengths and our strengths are set piece at the minute, which means Marrow's in the team wherever, whether he's in the second row. He's the best second row in the world for me in terms of his nuts and bolts of the game. So play him there. And let's find and get more out of a, a six ball in hand as well, which might take our attack to a new level. Yeah, I agree with Goody. I think Eddie Jones does like that tall, rangy six. He'd probably go for Courtney Laws. We know that Courtney's struggling a little bit with his head, which is unfortunate. Hopefully he comes back soon. But I think he'll stick with Marrow at six. Johnny Hill is a good player. I like him. I think he's improved loads since he's been at sale for a short period. And I like David Ribbons as well. I'd like to see him get another shot. So that's what I think they'll do. I'd love to see Ben L. I love Ben L at a seven. But anyway, I ain't picking the team. Well, we can have a chat now about that win over Japan and the prospect of facing the All Blacks at the weekend. England scrum half Jack Van Portflet joins us. How are you, mate? Very good, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Jack, you've come a long way, mate, since I saw you in the academy. It could have been four years ago. Let's just say it was eight years ago. You were about 12, 13. <laughs> and watching yourself, Freddie Stewart back then, George Martin was in the mix amongst a, a few others that are going to come through as well. But my goodness me, your career has just been on the, the upward trajectory. Like, How are you finding it? And what's it like as a young man being in this situation where you're out there playing test match footy, as the cool kids like to call it? You must be loving life. Yeah, no, I'm loving it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you probably yeah wouldn't have recognised me back when I was then. I was very small and I wasn't actually very good at all, to be honest. <laughs> um, oh, you were, Jack. You were you were one <laughs> of the good ones that stood out. Actually, I, I don't want to say I told uh, Brett Deacon and Dusty Hare that you were the one coming through, but effectively, I told them. So you're welcome. <laughs> no, I'm loving life. Thank you. It's been awesome in camp, and um, yeah, like you say, to to come up through with a lot of those or a few of those academy boys that I played with is. Is uh, yeah, it's been pretty cool. It's a phenomenal rise, though, isn't it, mate? And I know we've had a bit of back to forth with my role at Leicester, and obviously uh, a few messages over Instagram, all this stuff. So you break into the first team, you win the Prem last year as part of that squad. You go on the England tour to Australia, you have a massive impact there, and then you head out to Ibiza, and then it started again this season. So um, it, was it the trip to Ibiza that's got the season going so well? And <laughs> any stories with you and Freddie Stewart from that trip? None for a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean that was that was a good trip. I definitely needed to do plenty of recovery and training post-trip but um, no it was good I actually loved it I was just sort of Oz came as a probably a little bit of a surprise over summer and I just tried to make the most of it when I had that opportunity and um, once you had a taste for it you don't really want to lose it or um, you want to keep enjoying it so um, yeah that was it was a big motivation coming into this season and um, yeah I'm just loving being loving being involved 
Yeah, you must have to punch yourself as well. Like you go from the point, we just mentioned the academy there, but growing up in Norfolk and having poster pictures of Ben Yuggs on your ceiling and stuff like that. And the next thing you're with him in camp. Do you know what I mean? Like it must be really weird in terms of players that you've watched growing up and playing with Freddie Stewart and stuff like that, a good mate of yours. Just reference the Ben Youngs. Did you have a poster on your wall or your ceiling or is that just a banter? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I'm not really sure, but I mean... That's yeah, a yes. It is, it is. We'll take that as a yes, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pretty nuts. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a weird one with like with the Youngs brothers, obviously, because I live, I grew up on a farm in Norfolk with my family's farmers back in Norfolk and we farm the other side of Elsham to the Youngs brothers. So some of the, some of the land we farm crosses over. So if I ever did a bit of work, I used to see Tom probably out on the farm doing more work than, than Ben. But um, I've sort of known them growing up sort of distantly and stuff. So it makes it quite special to be able to play with him. And obviously uh, we don't have loads. Everyone sort of knows everyone a bit in Norfolk. So when you hear about him coming through and his story, it meant, yeah, a lot. And him and Tom, it was a lot of boys inspiration growing up to follow them and, and, and their path. So um, yeah, to be able to play with them both was um, yeah extremely special. So this could be a 50-year rivalry, couldn't it, Jack? Like, basically, when Ben and Tom played for England, you stole the land off them. When Tom's now <laughs> retired, well, you're not going to steal it back now because Tom's actually there. I wouldn't steal anything off him. But the change, the change of guard, as it were. Who's got the better farm? I don't know. I mean, I'm, we're that's pretty you. proud of that, ours. We're pretty, Again, pretty proud you. of ours. I mean, dad's, dad's in charge of it. His dad's farm. His dad's farm. I know Tom's working hard. I keep seeing him over. Saw him a bit over summer. Yeah, he's busy on the combine. So um, I don't know. He's he's got he's got a new bit of land now. So he's pretty buzzing. So um, yeah, he's growing. That's for sure. Nice. Humbly, you're saying it's yours. But what was interesting to me, you said there was a bit of crossover. There's a there's a fair bit of crossover in Norfolk, isn't there? You, any relations <laughs> or not so much? No, 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 no relations. No. <laughs> well, how's it been? Obviously, you know, let's talk about your relationship with Ben because I know coming through uh, the Leicester Academy and everything like that, you look up to him. And I saw the embrace after the game on Saturday between you and him. And it's obviously, there's a a rivalry there, clearly, because you're both vying to be England's number one scrum half. But also, you get on exceptionally well as well, don't you? And he's been some mentor. I don't, there's clearly no better bloke to learn off, is there? No, definitely. Uh, No, me and and Lenny have got a a really good relationship. He's, He's been amazing for me. And he's he's been so sort of so good at helping me, and um, obviously he was brilliant over the summer when he wasn't in Oz, just helping me out from afar, giving me just some advice and things going in, and then working with him uh, obviously at club for the last three or four years. But then um, to work with him in an England in an England squad as well, it's been unbelievable. He's um, yeah, he's brilliant. I don't know if uh, if the Norfolk connection or the the old farming background makes it sort of closer or an appreciation, but um, no, we've got a, we've got a great relationship and um, awesome to work with. What about your relationship with Eddie Jones? And we asked that to all the players that come on. It's kind of the obvious taglines that we're looking for, but it seems like you've got a job to do when you came off the bench last week against Argentina. You did it in your first touch. It kind of felt inevitable that you were going to start against Japan. Does he just let you go out there and play your own game or is it quite razor sharp on what he wants from you? No, Eddie's, Eddie's been brilliant with me. I think when, he, when we went to Oz, my sort of first experience with him, he said, look, you've been picked to play. You've got your chart. You've got your opportunity with that week of training to put your hand up and go for it. And so he gave me that confidence to go after it and really rip in. And he's been the same coming in this this campaign. He's just he really 
sort of uh, makes me back myself and encourages me to to be myself basically and and not but within our framework of how we want to play and things but yeah he's been brilliant at let me be myself and um trusting my instincts all the things that he said will get you got you to in the squad so um you know he's been fantastic and I'm I'm loving working with him Obviously, we know the story. Ben Youngs came on here and told us about the packet of sweets that Eddie Jones put in front of him when they first met a few years back. Was there any quips from Eddie Jones to you? Uh, anything on the name? Because he likes his his little nuances, doesn't he, around different yeah, players? Yeah, no, uh, no, nothing nothing like that. I mean, I was I was pretty prepped for a nickname or something with the, with the name or stuff, but no, he's, he's stuck to JBP. So, um, no, he's been good, like I said before, and um, he sort of, yeah, gave me a lot of, confidence as I came into the squad and um, I've been really uh, more thankful for that and uh, really enjoyed working with him. Yeah, mate. I mean, unbelievably, you look at yourself and people say your nickname's JVP. How cool is it to have just your initials as your nickname? Like Big Jim, <laughs> Goody. We've got loads of other shit nicknames as well. But JVP, I mean, any of the nicknames floating around the squad from the boys to you or is it literally just initials only and you're that big time, that's all you need? JVP is the, the main one. Most boys call me that. I mean, I did get the nickname Judas at the club, uh, which was, I don't like wow. saying it actually, uh, really. <laughs> but it sort of came from, it originally came from throwing a bad pass to someone in training and they got absolutely melted like, above their head, like Thomas. And then we did a fitness drill and I didn't get my foot over the line and Colsey, uh, Coley didn't didn't like that at all. So uh, Judas Van Portfleet, they seem to like the ring of it. If ever I do anything <laughs> along the name Judas, then I get, yeah, it always comes from all resurfaces. So uh, <laughs> I try and avoid getting that nickname, but yeah, it's, uh, it is there. All Blacks at the weekend, mate. All eyes on that. I know we're kind of speeding past the game at the weekend. It was a comfortable victory in the end. Every player's dream is to play against the All Blacks and face the hacker. Is that up there for you? Is it on the bucket list now you're in that environment? Uh, no, definitely. Definitely. They're always the games you um, watch as a kid and the, the wins over New Zealand will always stick in your memory. The ones growing up, like that that one in 2012, those sort of games you always remember watching and have been probably a big inspiration for me to, to if I ever get the opportunity to, to really um, enjoy it and pinch yourself a little bit because... They are, like you say, the the big games that you want to be a part of. So hopefully if selected, then I get to experience it. If picked, how do you face the hacker? Is there a thing do you have in your mind how that's going to unfold? I mean, I'm not too sure who they'll pick at Scrum Half this week. Aaron Smith, likely. Perinara played well when he came on at the weekend. You've got the red Finley Christie. We just eyeball the life out of them or what? Or- I mean, normally, like when, I, when I've sung the anthem or stuff, I like to sort of sort of smile and like appreciate it and sort of it's sort of like a been a decent coping mechanism for me with like um playing at Twickenham or playing in front of crowds to like smile and um sort of lick your lips at that sort of feeling of this this is what you've always wanted to do so I don't know if I'll smile at it but I feel like if I smile at it that probably won't go down too well or something there's the old uh feral smirk which is <laughs> good but I don't think I, I don't know if I'll quite be able to pull that off like he did Mate, Faz smiled, Faz smiled before the semi-final uh, and we ended up winning it, so you can smile all you like, mate. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what we do. Yeah, I was just saying, Jack, just make sure you don't faint. I think that that's the worry with some boys is that they might get that, that scared <laughs> that they faint, but I didn't. I just wanted to keep it under 50, yeah. which we did. We did. That would have been a win for you, Jim. Um, Jack, obviously, let's rewind the clock to the game against Japan on 
Saturday. It was your first start at Twickenham in an England jersey. And you mentioned it then about the anthems and having a little smile. Just talk us through the emotions because we talked about your rise earlier. You're 21 years old. You're absolutely flying. Um, you know, you've obviously got some great competition within the Leicester squad and the England squad. But to get the nine jersey in at Twickenham, uh, be able to run out there at the you know, the home of rugby and sing the anthem and all that stuff. What did it mean to you? And, and oh, no, it meant, it meant so much. It was it was extremely special to play at Twickenham, a ground you always dream about playing on. I mean, yeah, for me and my family growing up, a proud English family, even though the, the surname doesn't suggest it. But um, no, for me, it means so much. And to the family, just to, to make them proud and to do it. Last week, I had well, I had both grandparents there. And, and yeah, uh, it's hard, hard to put into words, really. And that whole day must be pretty intense, Leading up to it, the bus ride to Twickenham, the whole experience must be yeah. quite overwhelming. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's something that the the boys like made sure to sort of let you know to to take it in and stuff. I'm not always one for like headphones and stuff. I sort of listened to a bit of music before the game, but I made sure that when I was getting close to Twickers and sort of headphones out, look out the window, see everyone, um, and make sure you actually take it in and enjoy the experience and that's something I'll be doing uh, or I have been doing and I've absolutely loved. Yeah, Jack, lastly from me and something we're talking about in this whole grow the game and the atmosphere at stadiums and stuff like that. I mean, Murrayfield was pretty dead the first couple of weeks and the All Blacks at the weekend, it was unbelievable and I'm sure it'd be the same at Twickenham. When Darude is blasting out on the speakers, <laughs> duga duga du, like what are you th- like? Are you put off by that? Do you know the song? Do you like it? What I mean, what are the players has anyone so even young. got an opinion on that? <laughs> He's too young. Yeah, but mate, it's a classic. It's one of them. No, it's it like, a classic. You know, like yeah. Post try when you sort of or like you're all walking back and the music's playing, it is unbelievable. Sort of when you're used to that kind of music, you're almost thinking of breaking out into dancing and celebrating yourself. So, but you don't really want to <laughs> start bouncing around. But no, like, it is unbelievable when the and the crowds but behind you and all singing it. It's um, yeah, it's unbelievable and um, it's sort of awesome to witness and be a part of. Right, Jack, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate, and best of luck this weekend. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Cheers, Jack. Good luck, mate. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just eight ninety seven for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just eight ninety seven at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Top, Top lad. lad. Yeah, he is. I mean, imagine being 21, having the world at your feet. Being from Norfolk, so, you know, there's a little bit of inter-crossover there, as he said himself. But yeah, I mean, flying out the blocks. It all started with your academy roadshow, didn't it, Jim, from uh, the rugby past days. And now he's premiership champion. He's England's best scrum half at the minute. What a ledge. I did say, do you remember when Leicester were going through a tough period? I said, oh, I'm with the academy lads and there's some awesome players coming through. And I said, there's this one called Judas Van Poorfleet that they're calling him, knocking around. <laughs> George Martin, who had a beard at 13. And this Freddie Stewart, like, they were the three that I looked at. I was like, my goodness, man, they're winning everything. But yeah, he's young, yeah. he's fresh. He's in test week to play the All Blacks. And we're talking about pictures and magazines of Ben Young's on his ceiling <laughs> and incredible media mate yeah I know he doesn't know whether he's coming or going but he's definitely going somewhere and he's a fantastic young player and the day he grows a beard is the day I'll shave my head there ain't no beard coming there is there for a long time 
He's young. Well, I was watching the game at Three Sisters in Edinburgh, and the consensus was that the game was a bit boring. Wales, Argentina, you guys are probably watching it with a bit more clarity. What did you make of it? Let's not beat around the bush. It was pretty average, I think, uh, in terms of excitement. But if you're Wales, you come off the back of taking 50 points against the All Blacks. You know, you sorted out your physicality and they went back to their big... It's a big win for Wales, I think, because people like Jim Hamilton questioned them a lot. Argentina beat England the week before. You're in front of your home fans. You've you've taken a hammer in against the All Blacks the week before. You know, Falatau, man of the match, stepped up, played really well. Tipperick was outstanding as well. Thomas Williams at nine obviously got the charge down. It wasn't one for exciting, entertaining rugby. What do you mean they got the music wrong in the stadium again, Jim? And that's why the... The game was rubbish. But it was job done by Wales. You know, you saw how pumped Pivak was at the final whistle in terms of relief or happiness or whatever emotion it was. It's a big win. It's a statement win for Wales because if they lost that game, and it's the same with Scotland this weekend when they play Argentina, if you lose that game, it's like, oh, you know, could have beaten the All Blacks. This is in Scotland's point of view. They could have beaten the All Blacks last week, but then you lose to Argentina. It's doom and gloom again. So, yeah, it wasn't a a beautiful game by any stretch of the imagination but job done by Wales physicality was at a different level compared to the All Blacks and in the end that's what won them the game I also like Lewis Rees-Summit at 15 I'm going to say yes. works yeah yeah gets more touches of the ball that's what I thought and I mentioned it before Rio Dyer the only one that's breathing fire out of the Dragons is him and he's very good when he gets his hands on the ball. There's a lot of good bat three players out there, isn't there? Wales have always produced good bat three players, but... Are you changing your tune, Jim? I know, I know. I'm just trying to be positive, mate. I agree with the music, though. I agree with the music. Weren't feeling that, but massive win for Wales. I think there's no point understating how big a win that was for all the reasons Goody said. Imagine if they lost that as well. Got absolutely blitzed the week before. Got beat by Italy in the Six Nations. And then you get beat by Argentina. Your URC teams are struggling. The Dragons don't even know if Dean Ryan's been sacked or not. Like, there's so much going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Mental. Yeah. And then you've got Georgia this week. Yeah, well, exactly. Imagine. You think you'll see Alan Wynne-Jones come back for the big game, Georgia? That's what I mean. Like, who wants to see Wales-Georgia at this part of the season? Is that Am I being arse here or not? Mate, you've talked about growing the game. You've talked about, you know, you're confused, James, because one minute you're talking about growing the game, put names on the back of the shirts. Then you're like, no, take them off. Then you're like, play decent music, not Darude. And then you're like, well, it's an amazing atmosphere in France because they played Free From Desire. <laughs> now you're talking about <laughs> Alan Wynne Jones not playing. And now you're talking about who wants to play Georgia, but make some relegation in the Six Nations. You've got to give these teams opportunities, James. I understand where you're coming from, but tell Georgia that. We had Wigsville on here when he was Wigsville. Now he's Graham O'Rountree. You've got to give these tier two nations the opportunity. What you don't want is a cartel just playing against each other because it excites podcasters like Jim Hamilton. You can't see the All Blacks against Scotland every week, Jim. You have to play Georgia. You have to play Fiji. You have to play some of the lesser nations to give them the chance to grow. And that's how the game grows, James. That's your opportunity there to call Scotland a tier two nation. And you can't do it now because we beat England back to back. I'm just bringing it, it back to that. You can't. I can't. I'm, you know, I was, I was all the way behind Scotland at the weekend, and then Six Nations. It will change. First up, England will beat you by thirty, but it'll be fine, Jim. Scotland were good, and I hope Scotland beat Argentina this weekend. I might even go as far as putting that on me fanzo back in Scotland as one. Is it? Hashtag yeah. Before we get to the fanzo, one more game to talk about: Ireland, Fiji. Andy Farrell not happy with his charges. There's an expectation now, isn't there? 
in this Ireland squad of whoever they pick. He mentioned it after they A team played. So Ireland A played the All Blacks, that some of the players didn't play well enough to get picked. So he's not handing out caps willy nilly, which I like. And I think he's perfectly right in coming out and saying that, especially when you're playing for a team like Ireland. So his expectations are really high. I just think, and maybe it's the same as when we played Fiji last week, the Scotland lads did, that, oh, you should beat Fiji because that's what it's been like in recent years. They're good. They are good. Like physical, really tough team to play, really unpredictable. But if Andy Farrell says he ain't happy, he ain't happy. I'm with him because it's Andy Farrell. Yeah, I think the issue, you know, playing Fiji, you know they're going to have opportunities where they carve up an attack when they've got unbelievable athletes. Nathalevu in the centre is just a monster, you know, and they are going to put on plays that are going to put you under duress defensively. What they haven't got is a set piece and they haven't got sort of game management in terms of understanding the narrative of the game, the energy levels, and that's where Ireland came in. So... Yeah, you talk about technique around driving malls and all this stuff. Yes, you've got monsters in the Fiji forward pack, but technically you can have the biggest blokes in the world. If, you, if you're all stood up right and you're just trying to do it one-on-one, then you're not going to be able to stop. And Ireland, were, you know, Timoney, I thought, played pretty well uh, in the back row, scored two tries. You know, But let's not forget, no Johnny Sexton. We said it on here a lot. Ireland's gun 15 is the best 15 in the world at the minute, alongside France, in my opinion. But it's all about growing other players underneath. You know, you had no Sexton. You, you're missing a, you know, a few of the frontliners as well. There were change-ups, you know. And I get Andy Farrell's frustration, but this is a, a game where you've thrown a team together. It's not a game that's been built around consistency and selection where you know, if they'd have played their gun 15 against Fiji, they'd have put 50, 60 points on them, I reckon. But because you're trying out new combinations and you're giving other players opportunities, um, they're not at the level of your top tier team when your top tier team is best in the world. So he's frustrated because he wants everyone to get to that level. It just doesn't happen uh, straight away. So they'll go back to their gun 15 this weekend against Australia. And I'm sure, you know, Ireland will have a, have a big performance to finish off the year as the world number one team. But a year out from the world cup, you have to blood these players because you don't go week in, week out at the world cup, every game with your gun 15 and you learn a lot on the way. Inshaw and Cabri are out this week. Sexto might be back the way. If Johnny's there, they'll be fine. Uh, but Henshaw's out, yeah. yeah. He hobbled off during the game. Jimmy O'Brien played at fullback and, and went pretty well. He obviously stepped up off the bench and played at 13. They're going to have ring rows. McCluskey's back in the mix because have you seen the hammering that he's been getting on social media? Because of his shoulder? Well, apparently, as he came off against Africa, he's got his arm wrapped in a sling and apparently it's only a stinger, so the boys have been absolutely burying him, apparently. More than a stinger. I spoke to the physio. Not that he gave me complete insight, but Stephen Much, big shout-out, listens to the podcast, The Island Physio. I said, if there's any man that can bring a shoulder back from the death, it's Stephen Much. So he's probably getting a bit of stick, but the ear's got the best shoulder rehabber in Stephen Much. Do you know how Stephen Much used to rehab shoulders, Goody? He used to put fingers in mouth doing wow. pressure spots in your mouth. Like Chinese burn, like the weirdest things ever. I mean, oh, got me back out there. I know. Couldn't weird. have anyone else's fingers in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, he had gloves on though. I actually felt quite nice to be fair. A bit tingly, a bit weird actually, a bit erotic. But anyway, Stephen, much he's done a good job with McCluskey. Let's take a look at the Fanzo Guinness Pint Predictor and get your thoughts on the weekend. You get a free pint of Guinness if you predict who wins. All you have to do is download the free Fanzo app. That's F A N Z O. Go to the Guinness Pint Predictor and enter the code RugbyPod. There's also a weekly quiz so you can win another free pint. Italy, South Africa. 
South Africa. Must win game. Well, I say must win game. It is a must win game. By how much? Comfortably, I think. 20. 19. We'll do 19. Really? Just make it. Yeah, 19. Yeah, it'd be interesting because next week, the big crescendo, the final game of the autumn, South Africa come to Twickenham. So what selection does he go with? Does he change up a few? True. South African A lost to Munster last week as well. Shout out to the Munster boys for that. I think it's a hard one, isn't it? Because when you've got A games and you've got England the week after, you've lost a toy, you've got to rest a few, but Italy are, you know, they've just dusted Australia. You can't take them lightly. But in their mind, it was probably to make a few changes this week. Yeah, I'm going South Africa by, I guess, 16. Wales, Georgia. I mean... Don't say it. You could, <laughs> you could, <laughs> you could see Wales struggling. I don't know why. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, here we go. No, I'm going to go Wales by 15. Wales by 15. Yeah, I'm going to go a bit more. Wales by 20. Scotland, Argentina. Tough game. I'll start here, Jim. I'll start here. Don't talk it down now, Jim. You've just had your best performance in donkey's years against one of the greatest teams ever in the All Blacks. You nearly beat them. Nine points up, 20 to go. This is a game you should go to the game expecting to win. Don't turn it negative now and say, oh, tough game. You're at home. Six-day turnaround. Six-day turnaround. Doesn't matter. That atmosphere was unbelievable. The performance was great. I'm going Scotland by 10, James. Oh, really? All right. Yeah, Scotland by 10. I'm a Scotland fan nearly. I'm nearly a Scotland fan. Well, we played them in the summer and we were winning that tour. We were going to walk away with a series win. Last play of the game, they scored. They looked tired at the weekend. Six-day turnaround. God, what am I doing? Scotland by seven. Six-day turnaround for the All Blacks against England. How's that one going? Excuses are coming in early, eh? Go <laughs> on, Jim. I think the All Blacks win. Really? I think, yeah. I, I, that game against Wales, the fact that they didn't play that one at the weekend, I've not seen enough from England. I won't be surprised if England win, but you're asking for my Fanto predictor, and I just think the All Blacks will go full noise. Like you said, they'll bring Vitalik back in. They've got Papa Lee on fire. I think Aaron Smith's playing well. Mwanga's going to be back. They know they need to be better. You always see a reaction from the All Blacks. I know they didn't lose at the weekend. I'm going to go the All Blacks by 10. Oh, Manu Tulang will be back in the mix. Absolutely ripping through the All Blacks midfield. I'm going to go 2019, dominate them at the World Cup. It was bigger than how many we beat you in the World Cup. We should have beaten you by 30 points. Go on then, do a big score. Go on. I'm going to go Marcus Smith dominating, Richie Mwanga, Faz playing tip-top ruggers. Smashing boys left, right and centre. He's drunk. Eddie Jones, tactically astute. What a legend of a coach Eddie Jones <laughs> Mate, is. Mate, happened. It is with the score. Come What's on then. Going Come on. on then. England by nine. England by nine. There we go. Ireland, Australia. Comfortable win for Ireland. You know, Australia are five from 16 wins. Not good. Well, they have had to play the best three teams in the world, haven't they? Go on. Well, should we hit it together? Same time, Ireland by 14. Five. Oh, there we go. Close, close. Okay, comfortable win for Ireland. France, Japan. France. Uh, they're going to make a few changes, and obviously they're going to be a little bit weary from the absolute war that they had against South Africa. Japan have to be better. They were garbage against England, but France by twenty-two. Oh, I was going to say France by twenty-seven. I thought I really, really shot with Japan at the weekend. Twenty-seven, France. All right. Well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
Yeah, let's do that, Andy Rowe. And we're going to give a shout out to your team, Andy Rowe. Yes. The Black Ferns to start off with. Uh, another World Cup win for them. They've now won six out of nine of the World Cup. So uh, big shout out. The atmosphere at Eden Park looked unbelievable. We'll go to the Premiership. We haven't really spoken about the Premiership this week. So much ruggers is on. But Bath are going to get a shout out in the good this week. They squeaked a last minute victory over their big rivals from yesteryear in Leicester Tigers. That's three league wins in a row for them, the first time since February 2021. Uh, Newcastle get a shout-out this week in the good. Of course they do. Hell of a win down at Gloucester. 27-21, three defeats on the spin before that. Adam Radwan, man, what a try. Have a look at it. Tell the gas that. Absolutely ridiculously quick. So uh, big shout-out to the Newcastle boys. Saracens are going to get mentioned in the good again. Of course they are, still unbeaten. Came back from 39 points to 17 down to beat Northampton Saints, 45-39. Ben Earl, absolutely ridiculous. Eddie Jones, how are you not picking him? But Saracens get a mention, unbeaten still, and top of the premiership. Wales get a mention in the good this week. They're back on the horse after getting hammered by the All Blacks the week before, but a decent 20 points to 13 win. It wasn't great to watch, but all-important victory. Uh, did the nuts and bolts well. Falatau was outstanding, so big shout-out for those boys against Argentina. England... Back in the good, look much more like it in defence especially. Attack, still got some work-ons, but much better. They thrashed Japan 52 points to 13, so uh, shout out to Eddie Jones, the Messiah. We'll just call him the Messiah this week, and then we'll see what happens next week against New Zealand. France, get a mention of the good. Hell of an atmosphere in Marseille, free from desire, just blasted out the beats afterwards. The French love that song, even though they don't know the words because it's in English. But uh, yeah, hell of an effort from the French team to power past South Africa, 30 points to 26 even though perhaps it was a double movement try, but we won't go there. They're now beating every single one of the top 10 in the world over the past year, although they're number two in the world because Ireland are number one. They're looking pretty good for the World Cup next year. So France get a mention, but the good this week goes to one team and one player and one commentator, co-commentator, I should say. Uh, Italy are going to get the good this week. A couple of tries from Capuzzo as well. He's inspiring his team to their first ever victory over Australia after 18 straight defeats against them. So massive shout out to Kieran Crowley, the head coach, and all the Italian players, and Ange Capuzzo, and especially the co-commentator Jim Hamilton, because whenever a Tier 1 nation goes to Italy and Italy fancy themselves, it's someone from the rugby pod commentating on it. They beat Safka when I was doing it. They beat Australia when Jim Hamilton was on at the weekend. When they play the All Blacks, get us both on. They win by 50. Imagine that. Bush on bush. Yeah, so congrats, Italy. You get the good this week. Uh, the bad, few bits of bad. We're going to start off with Dan Lydia, who got injured 28 minutes into the game, playing just a few days after the sad passing of his father. And the whole team wore black armbands. So thoughts with Dan Lydia, not only uh, for the passing of his old man, but um, for his injury as well, and hope he recovers pretty quickly. Uh, what else was bad? Andy Farrell said they were bad. Ireland, they win. But they're going to get mentioned in the bad because if Faz ain't happy, whatever Faz says... It's bad. It's bad. So they get mentioned in the bad for that. What else is bad? Gloucester losing at home to Newcastle Falcons 27-21. Uh, they've been in the good a lot recently, but they'll be disappointed with that. And whoever got rinsed four times by Adam Radwan, he needs a mention in the bad as well. So Gloucester get a mention. Northampton Saints get a mention in the bad, although it was a credible performance. How have they lost that? How have you lost that game, lads? i tell you how. Ben Earl, Elliot Daly, some big names playing well for Saracens. But... Saints will be kicking themselves uh, for losing that one from being so far ahead up in that second half. But the bad this week has to go to Australia. Uh, their first ever defeat to Italy, and that's eight test defeats in 12 matches for them in 2022. I feel bad because we had Nick White on her the other week, but 
He was great fun. They beat Scotland. Then they've oh, they're having a lot of fun. They're having a lot of fun, Gudi. They're having fun. And now they've lost to Italy. So, big week in Dublin this week for them. But unfortunately, Australia, you get the bad this week. Uh, then the ugly, a few bits of ugly to get through. Lydia Thompson, unfortunately, it was a horrible moment for her, and especially in a World Cup final. But it was reckless, so she gets a mention in the ugly. Albert Tuasui's hit on Joey Carberry and Vern Cotter's comments afterwards, questioning whether it was a red card, Jim. What are you saying about your mate, Vern Cotton? Mate, he ain't my mate. No? No, he's not, no. There you go. Anyway, Albert Tuasui with a red card. Uh, that was pretty ugly. Anton Dupont gets a, a mention in the ugly this week. Uh, mistimed, but it was a clear red card taken out. Cheslin Colby in the air. That's because they're ex-teammates. He wasn't happy because he took more money to go down to Toulon. So he went after him. What are you saying about that, Jim? I'm saying that's one of the worst collisions I've ever seen. Yeah, not great at all. So uh, Anton Dupont gets a mention in the ugly. But the ugly this week, unfortunately, has to go to Peter Steph de Toy. What was he thinking? There's a big bang coming for head-on-head contact. Plough on his head, straight into Jonathan Dante. I do think there's a little bit of mitigation, but whichever way you look at it, Get your head out of the way. Don't be piling it into a player who was lying prone on the floor. Uh, so we hope Jonathan Dante is recovering and won't be out injured for too long. But the ugly this week goes to Peter Steph Dutoy. How many weeks, Andrew, do you think? Because I don't think there's any mitigation. And he's one of my favourite players. Like I love the bloke. Absolutely love him. I think it's a six-weeker. I reckon it's a ten-weeker. Mm. But it'll get reduced. Maybe it's a ten-weeker reduced down to five because he says mm. sorry and he's got a good record. That's normally what happens. And then if you get Eddie Jones to write you a thing that says you're a nice person and do loads of charity work, you'll get two weeks. You'll be fine. <laughs> Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Rob. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. Uh, 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 uh,